Hey, what's up, hello? Welcome back to another episode of Content Strategies in Sweatpants. In today's episode, we are diving into the world of sales pages, specifically how to improve your digital product sales pages quickly and effectively. Did you know that the average user spends only 52 seconds on a web page? And when they're first viewing a website, it actually takes a user less than two tenths of a second to form a first impression. That means your sales page has to capture their attention and convince them to take action in a matter of seconds. Luckily for you, there is a wealth of research out there that what works and what doesn't when it comes to creating high converting sales pages. From product mock-up placement to pricing psychology hacks, I'll be sharing some of the best tips and tricks to help you optimize your sales page in order to boost your digital product sales. So whether you're a data-driven nerd like myself or you're just starting out in your business and are ready to get a leg up on the competition, stay tuned for this episode full of valuable insights and actionable tips to take your sales pages to the next level. You're listening to Content Strategies in Sweatpants, a show brought to you by Panay Marketing, where we take powerful content strategies that integrate principles of human behavior and explain them in an easy to understand format. Because it's time for your business to attract new clients and transcend its revenue potential. I'm your host, Marissa Panay, and it's my pleasure to share these psychology-driven marketing strategies with you. So you can learn complex concepts, but feel as at ease as when you're chatting in the DMs with your business bestie. Now, let's get into today's episode. Fun fact, First impressions on websites are 94% design related. During the early 2000s, a study conducted in the UK discovered that the majority of website evaluations were based on the perceived design of the site, rather than its actual content. It was revealed that the visual aesthetics and the navigation of the website were the primary factors influencing the initial impression of visitors. So honestly, as a girl who had to choose between four different books in college to write a report on, and then her decision to choose the book was solely based on the cover design, not the topic or anything related to the actual contents of the book. And then I had to write a report on why I chose that book. And I had to confess to it solely being because of the cover. This information right here made me feel a little less crazy. So design matters to everyone, not just teenage girls in art school prioritizing cover design over the actual content of the information they're about to read. But here's the thing. When designing digital experiences like sales pages or landing pages, it's important to remember that users are constantly bombarded with visual stimuli. A hundred billion bits of information are coming in every second, and that's a lot to process, especially when you put into the fact that your web page, your landing page, sales page is probably not the first thing that they typed into the good old Google machine. That's probably like after a bunch of whole other overload. So in order to capture your user's attention, it's helpful to understand the underlying cognitive processes that are occurring in the brain. And if you haven't heard of it already, I'm going to introduce you to neuromarketing because this is a fascinating field that I personally cannot stop learning about. Essentially, it's all about uncovering the underlying subconscious factors that influence consumer behavior, including decision making, brand perception, emotional responses, all to marketing messages. But get this, it's all understood through neuroscience. So we're talking about like EEGs and fMRIs and things of that nature. So by understanding these factors, we're able to develop more effective marketing campaigns and optimize our sales pages to increase convergence, which is what we all want, right? So for example, I'm sure you already know that certain colors can evoke specific emotions, like how blue is usually associated with trust and reliability. Think banks like Chase Bank, blue logo there or while red can stimulate excitement and urgency so think of mcdonald's i know they say that like red also can spark hunger for some reason so mcdonald's red i can't think of any oh wendy's red yeah so 
you got that excitement urgency i want this now so that's like one example here the other thing you can think of is how like fonts can influence how your message is perceived so if you want to come across super professional you're not going to be writing in some like girly handwritten font here but what's really fascinating and what i kind of already said but it's neuromarketing involves the use of various techniques like fmris eegs eye tracking software all to measure brain activity physiological responses and eye movements when consumers are interacting with specific marketing messages. Now, clearly we're not scientists and we don't have access to this data like firsthand and we can't be doing the research ourselves, but what we can do is implement the findings of others into our work and start to A-B test. So now the meat and potatoes of this whole show is we are going to be talking about a few of these research-backed tips to keep in mind when you are building out your sales pages. So get ready get your pens out. This is going to be some good shit. <laughs> so right off the bat that you should keep in mind is that people scan websites in an F-shaped pattern. So think of the top and the left side of the page as the most important. This is what is receiving the most attention. So obviously we want to place the most important information in these areas because that's where your audience is most likely to look due to eye tracking software and everything else. So this is also why navigation and like your value propositions are always on the top or the left-hand side. So like if you go onto any like SaaS website, I can guarantee you their navigation's on the top and then on the left-hand side, there's a blurb about what they do. And on the right, there's an image of either like a product mock-up or like some weird animation thing, right? This is for a reason that they are using this data and it's always super visible, super easily accessible. And it's, it's in your face. So the first thing you see, because again of that like, half of a second that you have to capture users attention so that is why that information gets placed where it gets placed number two large high quality images attract attention we all know that we love to pictures are worth a thousand words but people tend to ignore generic or stock images so custom images that are relevant to the content are always going to be more effective so if you're worried that your products are digital and you can't technically take photos of your product I want you to think about this in terms of mock-ups with, within stock photography. So as opposed to just showing a standard image of a woman on a computer, integrate your digital product onto the screen of the computer that that woman's using. It places your product within the frame and it shows people how they would interact with the product if they were that woman in the computer. It's how I portray all of my products in, let's say the Content Catalyst membership. If you go over to that sales page, you'll see product mockups inside of stock imagery. So I didn't take a picture of somebody using my product. That's a stock image that I then Photoshopped my product into. Super cool, super easy, and it creates amazing results. So that's number one, or number two. But number 2.1 <laughs> is a tip to enhance your product mockups is to make your product shine. So you might've actually already noticed this or seen this um, where some product mockups, there's like reflective glare on the screen and it makes it feel more realistic as opposed to just being like Photoshopped on the screen. But the reason for this is we, as humans prefer reflections versus flat non-reflective images. So according to the research from the Journal of Consumer Behavior, attraction to shiny objects, which is, just makes me think of my shiny teeth in me. <laughs> so attraction to shiny objects is one of the core human instincts that we're more drawn to versus if we were to see an object without the, the shine or the light reflection. And interestingly enough, and I think this is the coolest part here, is that this originated in humans because of water. As a, like, as a species, we've always needed to look for clean, pure, shiny, fresh water in order to survive. So something as simple as needing water to survive and knowing that, it 
that like that it reflects is something that we've carried into our evolution and now subconsciously we are like oh my god it's shiny i want it because of this primitive behavior that has just evolved with us which i think is absolutely wild that if something is shiny we're instantly more attracted to it maybe that's why we like diamonds as a culture who the fuck knows all i know is that taking these little bits of information that could be totally outlandish and you're like that doesn't make any sense but then you look at the data and you're like oh this actually tracks put a shine on your product it doesn't take that much effort but it can do amazing results for you so you'll see that on like amazon you'll see like oh here's a coffee pot and then you'll see that the coffee pot is usually shining because they the the seller knows that if a product is shiny it'll be more attractive than the product that is not shiny insane right okay another fun fact that you should probably start implementing is don't display your products alone According to the Journal of Consumer Research, when we show a product alongside copies of itself, whether that be digitally or in a store, like shelf product placement, people will perceive it as more effective. Whenever we see multiple identical products together, we perceive them as a unified group, and that unified group makes them feel more effective than the sum of its parts at getting the job done. And so when I first heard this, I was like, that... I guess that tracks, I mean, like I personally, when I'm creating product mockups, I try to put different elements together so it looks like a bigger bundle and just like, oh, you get this template. It's like, oh, here's the template, but here's like different views of the template and things like that. So it makes it look more effective. But what I thought about was maybe this is why when we go to the grocery store, we get skeptical of products when they're like the last ones on the shelf and they're essentially missing their group, right? So we instantly think something has to be wrong with the last one standing. So if you think of it in terms of that, if you go to the grocery store and you're like, oh my God, why is there only one jar of sauce on the shelf? Like something's probably wrong with this jar of sauce if it's the only one there. That might be the same brainwaves that are happening when people see your product mock-up of just like a single shot of nothing. And you're like, you're not really getting like what's wrong. Why is there nothing else included in this? Like what else do I need to know? So just something to think about, super interesting, and definitely an easy tip to implement on your sales pages because you just, all you gotta do is make no more lonely product mockups. So start building out multiple versions of your imagery to get optimal results here. But also now speaking of imagery, we're gonna take a step back from the mockups and we're gonna talk about actual imagery now in, in photographs, right? So faces and eye gaze are powerful cues that draw attention and can influence your consumer's behavior. So if you have a photo of yourself looking out into the distance, position yourself instead of looking out into a void to be looking at the headline on your webpage or something that you want to draw your user specific attention to. Because when the photo is looking at a specific part of the website, that is where the user on the other side of the screen is looking on the website too. And you've probably already seen this approach on countless landing pages, but there's only one action to perform. And of course the background image is someone looking directly at like an opt-in box. And it's funny because you see this as a consumer and you're like, oh yeah, it's looking at the box. Okay, cool. But you don't realize like subconsciously your brain's like, they're looking there. I have to look there. So now we're all going to be looking there. And hey, look, that's the action that the business owner wants you to take. So it's all happening subconsciously, whether you want to believe it or not. <laughs> and funny enough, I actually took advantage of this little psychology hack on the first ever iteration of marissapanay.com. And this was when I was building my site on lead pages. So this is the platform that I used and like they were trying to get more people to use their website builder. So funny enough, my site was featured in their like best practices presentation for new users building their websites on their platform. And I didn't even know about it until I randomly was like, I'm going to just attend this event, see what I don't know about 
like website design and all of a sudden I had that like oh shit moment of oh my god it's me when they were showing this is a great way to get your headline to be read and blah blah blah, blah. and I thought that was hysterical this was like way back in 2020 when it was during COVID and I was just like hacking away on my uh, little computer here so it, one it made me feel like a freaking rock star when in reality I was just winging it and using the bare minimum <laughs> of psychology knowledge to my advantage so key point here if if you only remember one tiny teeny thing from today's episode, just implement it because that one little thing, you don't know how much impact one tiny change can make. And I mean, like, I don't have the data here, but who knows? I, my business took off in a flash. Maybe it was because of that gazing photo into the distance that looked at a headline. Who knows? <laughs> um, okay, so now let's talk about layout. White space around text and images can increase user attention and comprehension. White space, or this also, if you're not a designer, white space does not mean white. <laughs> Empty space <laughs> between design elements. It can help to create a more visually appealing and easy to read a website. So by adding websites strategically, you're able to increase your user's attention and comprehension all while making the website more appealing. And all right, here is the hill. I'm on this hill. I will die on it. But <laughs> while I'm here, this goes for your graphics and your social posts and everything else you design too. Please include more white space on your designs. That is the biggest issue I see happening when people are like DIYing their work. They don't really have a design background and they're just kind of hodgepodging it together. You'll see there's content to the edge of the frame. They cram 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag to say it politely <laughs> or unpolitely. I don't know what you want to say there, but they don't optimize where this image is being viewed. So just stop, stop what you're doing and just remember that less is always going to be more. No one can read your graphics when everything is crammed and tight. No one wants to read your graphics when you've made it increasingly difficult to understand. And as a user, people are thinking, what do I read first? Why does this one line look like it should be important, but it actually means absolutely nothing to the overall message. I just wasted my time. I'm confused. They're out. They bounced. They're done, right? So you don't get a second chance. So bringing it back to what I said at the beginning of the episode, it takes a user less than two tenths of a second to form a first impression. That's really all the time you have to entice someone to interact or look deeper at the content you create. So start utilizing more white space, be more strategic, and it may be your saving grace. It may be what captures that attention. Okay, I'm off that hill. <laughs> but we're still talking about layout and design with this one. So users expect clickable elements like links or button to look a certain way. Think about any link in the world that you've probably ever like come to associate with being a link is usually blue and underlined. And that's usually what a hyperlink is. So following established uh, like conventions can improve usability. But this doesn't mean that you only have to use that blue underlined look. It means that you need to stay consistent with your link and button choices to improve usability and make it easy for your users to interact with the way you want them to. So here is like your PSA. You don't have to do a blue underlined link for hyperlinks, but just choose a color for your buttons and your links and stick with it throughout your whole sales page. Even if you don't want to stick with it throughout your whole website, as long as that whole individual web page is aligned and cohesive together, you're good. Don't be throwing like a red button, a blue button, a green button. No one's going to know what the hell is going on. Keep your buttons the same color. Keep your hyperlinks the same like format and that will increase usability tenfold. Okay, another layout tip for you. Shorter paragraphs and bullet points make text more skinnable and easier to read. Okay, this is clearly like the easiest, simplest thing here. And this actually goes back to the white space conversation is because when text is presented in long, dense paragraphs, it can be so difficult for users to scan and find the information they're looking for. So 
by breaking up the text into either shorter paragraphs or like short sentences and including bullet points, it makes it easier for your content to be easily digestible and read and actually like understood. So if you, instead of you like brain vomiting onto a page and having this like thick ass paragraph of all the benefits that your, your product or service or whatever it is does, break it up into bullet points. No one is reading a thick, chunky boy. People are looking for those little tidbits. That's all they want because that's exerting less energy on their part. And that's all, people People are lazy. People do not want to expend mental energy. So you giving them a whole chunky boy is not going to get it read. It's going to be skimmed over and they're going to keep reading until they find the bullet points and get this. If they don't find those bullet points, they're out. They're not going to read it. Trust me. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're going to go into like pricing now, but uh, pre-pricing psychology, we're going to get into layout pricing facts. <laughs> So prices shown in low versus high positions compared to the product being sold seem lower. What I mean by this is by placing the product price below the product, you're able to increase sales without hurting the quality perceptions of the product. And if you're wondering how the F this works, this is what the Journal of Retailing had to say. So when we see a price in a lower vertical position, we associate down with less and we perceive it as a smaller number than what it is in the same regards that we associate up with more. So being that these metaphors are basically ingrained in our brain, <laughs> ingrained, insane in the brain. Um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, being that these metaphors are ingrained in us, it holds true. And if you're not in a culture where that is something where like up is more and less is down, then then it won't hold true. So you gotta think about where your consumers are and all that aspect. But in America, we think of down is less and up is more. So that concept will work by placing the product, the, if you have the product and you place the price below it, people will perceive it as a cheaper product, where if you have it above, it will see as more expensive. However, there is additional research to show that this little hack won't work for more expensive products. So this is only going to work if you have a low ticket product. So that's the one that you're gonna wanna try to A-B test this with and try this little pricing technique out on. So if you have something that's like $9, $29, $49, try her out. You got nothing to lose here. <laughs> like, doesn't matter. It's just a quick little switch on your sales page and let's see if it makes a difference. And then, okay, so, Final tip for this episode, and again, it's going to be pricing because I know we all love psychology of pricing. Um, pricing placement tip. Horizontal product displays on websites make people choose higher quality, more expensive products, where vertical displays encourage choosing cheaper options. So what does this mean? Well, according to the data collected by our, I actually don't know how to pronounce this, but it's Aria, A-R-I-Y-H. I love them. They take all this like meaty information from psychology journals and they chunk it down and make it super easy to understand. So again, hey, look at that white space taking it a big chunky boy and putting it into bullet points. There you go. But check them out if you want to get more um, information on this. But essentially, this is what they said and this is why it works. It's because we can be primed to think in two main ways. We have abstract high level thinking, which means that we think more about products benefits and the why we would want it. And this tends to be related to product quality. 
And then we also have concrete practical thinking, which means we focus on whether it's achievable and how it works, right? So this tends to be related to the product price. Therefore, when looking at product placements, horizontal displays of products encourage us to think in an abstract way. So we focus more on product quality and its high level main features, whereas vertical displays of products make us think in a more practical, detailed way. So we focus more on price and pay more attention to secondary features. That's a lot of words, rewind, replay, but it's super interesting, okay? So if you actually like think about this and then I'm gonna link out to this actual study as well so you can like kind of like visualize it, but it's so interesting the way that our brains, if we see something horizontally versus vertically, we can just subconsciously take information in in a different way and we focus on more different things. So definitely check out the links that I have in the show notes and then go over to the blog, see the photos, all the things. But that is basically our wrap. So we just covered 10 different psychology and neural marketing hacks to help you optimize your sales page in order to boost your digital product sales. So here's the thing. Now I want you to ask yourself, which which one of these are you gonna implement first? And of course, I'd love to hear all about your results. Do it, do the A-B test. Don't like say anything here is written in stone because everything is gonna be a variable depending on your niche, your market, your price, your product, everything. So try it out, see if you see any conversion difference. And then if it, if it converts better, keep it. If it doesn't go back to what you had, there's no harm, no foul. So be sure to send me a DM on Instagram. I'm at panay.marketing or connect with me on LinkedIn and tell me all about your results. I love to hear it. But until next time, thank you so much for tuning into content strategies in sweatpants.